This is EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. I'm here with John Fenswell to talk about what happened this week in California education. John, I wanted to ask you, one of the things that California is often criticized for is not spending enough on its students in schools. You wrote this week about the different ways you can actually measure how much California is spending. And, and it seems like there's just a big variation. I mean, what, what in the, with these different rankings, what's the range there? Surprisingly, it's a big range, Lewis. Everything from 46th in the nation to 22nd. Okay, so 22nd, that's pretty good. I mean, that puts us at least in the top half of states. 46 puts us way down in the basement. Absolutely. So how do people come to these different conclusions? Well, actually, even at 22nd, we're below average in spending, though our state ranking is 22nd. We're still below the average per student nationally, but, but close to it. And the difference is it all depends on the methodology that you use. The National Education Association, which surprisingly ranked us 22nd, used much more up-to-date information. And as you know, California has been spending a lot, increasing a lot of uh, money on K-12 education in the last three, four years. Now, the Ed Week, which is 46th. That's the Education Week did its own ranking, their Quality Counts That's right. Report. It's mm -hmm. called Quality Counts. It comes out in January every year. And they use national data, and it's always two or three years behind because they wait for the feds to vet all this information. And it takes a couple of years, and even NEA uses an estimate because over time states go back and they change. And, and, the, and the NEA is the National Education Association. They, also do, they also do rankings, is that yes, correct? Yes, they do their rankings every year. And the big difference, though, is whether you use a cost of living because it's very expensive in California to, its cost of living is high. And so, and so Ed Week applies uh, a salary cost of living because, after all, salaries constitute about 90% or 80% of what we pay for in schools. So they say, well, we're going to apply a salary adjustment, and that uh, lowers California's per-student spending and raises its rank to 46th, and NEA does not do it. It just uses a pure cost of dollars. So it doesn't reflect the fact that in Mississippi, it's a, your dollar goes a lot more than in California. I mean, the bottom line is, is California spending enough on its kids to give, give them a quality education? Right. Well, two things, Lewis. First of all, under the local control funding formula, it varies a lot even within the state in terms of the amount you get for your low-income uh, students and your English learners. But the bigger question that we have is for a state as big as California, with the largest percentage of English learners and a very high percentage of low-income students, what should we be paying per student? And that's a question that averages won't tell you. We need to solve that problem and that dilemma for ourselves. Speaking of numbers, Lewis, today was the deadline for applications for the DREAM Act in California, so we have an interesting number uh, to, to, uh, that we wrote about today. Very, very interesting. I think, John, as you know, uh, there are these uh, students who got uh, deferment on their deportation under the executive order during uh, that President Obama issued, uh, 750,000 plus or minus uh, nationally. And those students in California, the so-called DREAMers, because California has its own DREAM Act, are eligible to apply for Cal Grants. This year, they actually had from October to March to apply. Last year, it was a much narrower margin, January to March, and this year they wanted to expand it so that more students would apply. But after the president, President Trump, issued his executive order, 
far fewer students were applying. Uh, as of two weeks ago, 20,000 students had applied, and last year, 34,000 students had applied within the deadline. So uh, the state did a lot of outreach, a lot of publicity to encourage students to apply, but the, the feeling was that these students were anxious about applying, putting the name once more into the hopper, some, some thoughts that maybe if they applied for benefits that the, this could be used against them. And so there was a real chill factor that was going on. But it turns out today, the latest figures came out and more students, uh, these so-called dreamers, have actually applied in last year. It's interesting that they felt somehow reassured enough to go ahead and apply. Hard to know what's going on because I think part of it might have also been a kind of counter-reaction to say, we are not going to be intimidated. We are not going to go and hide somewhere. We are eligible for these benefits and we're going to let the chips fall where they're going to fall. Because as you know, a lot of these dreamers have been pretty upfront, pretty out there. So I think that might have been a sort of a counter-reaction, almost an act of, of resistance, let's say, to say they're not going to be intimidated. It's also possible, of course, that some of the dreamers didn't know that they were eligible, missed the deadline. I don't know. But I think this is something that one couldn't have anticipated, certainly two weeks ago. It was in the last two weeks, 15,000 applications came in. I mean, almost double. There were only 20,000 two weeks ago, as I mentioned. That's interesting. You know, Lewis, when I did the New Year's predictions, which I always do at the beginning of the year in January, after the election of the president, I predicted at least a third drop-off of this. And, you know, I'm happy to be wrong. Well, shifting gears for a moment, John, um, this week, interesting development. Long Beach Unified, under the superintendent Chris Steinhauser, had applied to the state to administer the SAT, in lieu of the 11th grade smarter balanced test that's aligned with the Common Core that every school and school district is required under state law to administer. Long Beach wanted to administer the SAT instead of that. And what happened? Superintendent Chris Steinhauser felt really strongly about that. Long Beach is the third biggest district in the state. That's one of about two dozen districts in California that give the SAT and the district pays for it to every student as a way of encouraging students to apply for college. And they also use the PSAT starting in eighth grade. And so it's a whole suite of assessments to start in eighth grade and goes through your junior year and into your senior year. And so Smarter Balance doesn't have a ninth and tenth grade test. It only tests once in high school in the 11th. And Chris said, this is what students want, this is what parents and teachers want, and we are. this is a whole program that we have starting in eighth grade, and we've been able to encourage lots of students to take the SAT and also prepare for it. And so that's why they applied. Superintendent of Public Instruction Tom Torlakson and State Board President Michael Kirst wrote back saying, no, we're not going to give you that waiver. To administer the SAT instead of the Smarter Balance Exactly. Test, just for the 11th grade. Exactly. And the reason they said was, first of all, SAT doesn't accommodate uh, English learners and students with disability, and we're not sure that the SAT is aligned with Common Core standards, and that's one of the values of the Smarter, purposes of the Smarter Balance is to see that. And so they said no. I just have to ask you, I mean, we have local control. I mean, this has been the mantra of the governor and it's entrenched in state law. So shouldn't it, shouldn't the local school districts be allowed to, in this case, they made a strong case. I mean, they felt it was a strong case that they wanted to do this other test. 
Well, it brings up the purpose of the 11th grade test, and they, we do want, one way is to measure uniformly all districts in the state, see how students are doing on the standards. The other thing is to see how well-prepared students are for college, and both SAT and Smarter Balance, to an extent, do that. Steinhauser said that the SAT is also aligned with Common Core, but right now there's not enough evidence to establish that. You need to do a lot of study. So I guess the bottom line, Louis, is I don't think this issue is through. I think there are going to be a lot of districts that say exactly what you said. It should be local control. We are doing what's good for our students, and the state board should accommodate us. And I think it's this issue is not dead. But, but to clarify, yes. the law currently says that the districts have to administer this test. Yes. And and so the law would have to be changed, presumably. That's right. Uh, that's uh, uh, cursed and Torlickson cited a state statute and said, we don't have the authority to grant this waiver. And I think that one of the things we'll follow over the next several months is, is Long Beach may ask the legislature to amend that law, make it more flexible so that you can accommodate districts like Long Beach. Okay. You know, Lewis, we've been talking about Common Core. President Trump was elected promising to kill Common Core. So here we are in early March. What's been happening nationally in California, as far as you can tell, with regard to Common Core? Well, I don't know if you've noticed the president has not mentioned Common Core since he was elected. And, no, since the inauguration. He did mention it once, in, I think, in December. Right. And uh, Betsy DeVos, uh, more or less, also has not really mentioned this. She was asked in an interview that she did with the conservative talk show host, what about the Common Core? And she says, well, we've more or less, we're done with the Common Core because the Every Student Succeeds Act basically leaves it up to the states. And so we're kind of, kind of implying we moved on. And uh, this is kind of very interesting because uh, this is something that, that Trump really talked about frequently or mentioned. I don't know if he talked about that would be overstating right it, but that he pledged that he was going to abolish the common core and um, hardly mentioned the school choice issue that came up late in the campaign now the school choice issue quote-unquote school choice is front and center and common core is actually not being talked about at all so what effect does that have in california where where do we stand is it still you know behind it well california has been a very very strong common core state unlike in many other states where there was strong opposition to the common core very little opposition in california this the the parent state pta the the uh, teachers unions the legislature the governor pretty much every organization key constituency has been supportive of the common core and it's probably going to continue in California. And uh, that also because, as we just mentioned, the Every Student Succeeds Act basically says the, the, the federal government doesn't, can't, can't uh, tell states what kind of standards they have to implement. They have to have standards, but it's up to them what standards they want to implement. So we know that uh, Trump was trounced in California in the election, but if you look at the number of counties, there are plenty of rural counties and and several, a couple dozen, right, out of our counties that actually the majority support for Trump. Is any sense on these counties that they would still resisting Common Core? What we did, myself and Teresa Harrington, one of our colleagues at, at EdSource, we, we talked to people, the educators in those counties, these conservative counties, and uh, the feeling was no, even in those counties, the Common Core is underway. The issue of whether it's going to be implemented or not implemented, that was made years ago. 
And uh, the strong feeling is that people who voted for Trump, and many did in California, almost four out of ten voters in California voted for Trump, that they didn't vote for him because of his position on the Common Core. There were many other issues that were more salient, immigration, uh, economic insecurities, and so on. So it's unlikely that even if the uh, Trump administration tries to stir up opposition to Common Core, it's going to find kind of re receptive ears here in California. But they're probably not going to do it. That's, that's what it seemed like. Before I let you go, tell me something I don't know. I bet you didn't know that Betsy DeVos was right, at least about bears. Now, you, you remember in her confirmation hearing that she was asked about whether guns should be allowed in schools, and she said, well, there should be a matter of local control. After all, there was a school in Wyoming, and there was a grizzly bear, and, you know, that teachers need a gun in case kids are threatened. Well, everybody laughed, had a good laugh at Betsy DeVos, and turns out in Connecticut this week, there was a, a, a black bear, and two schools were on lockdown for a little while now. Of course, there were no shots fired, and it's a black bear, and it went back into the woods, but it was a little bit ironic anyway, to say the least. So, Lewis, uh, tell me something I don't know. Well, we're talking about school choice, and um, there's all these different schools, private school vouchers and charter schools and uh, magnet schools that uh, both uh, President Trump and DeVos say should be part of the school choice uh, portfolio of offerings that parents should have an option to choose from. But it does seem right now in these early days that the tilt is not only to private schools, but to private religious schools. At the president's speech to Congress, they acknowledged this young woman, Denisha Merriweather, who attended this uh, school. They called it the Learning Center. But this was the Esprit de Corps Learning Center that was founded by a pastor based on religious principles. And on Friday, President Trump and Secretary DeVos went to Florida to visit a school. Now, this was the first school that the president has visited since he became president. Uh, was the St. Andrew Catholic School. And uh, the school defines its mission as developing the students' spirituality and creativity in order to be disciples of Christ in the 21st century. Nothing wrong with that. Schools can choose to do that. But it does seem like this tilt at the, in these early days on the school choice agenda is in the direction of religious schools. Well, based on the schools that they visited, you would think that most schools, uh, most students in America go to uh, private religious schools. So what do you think, Lewis? Is that possible that there'll be vouchers for uh, parochial and religious schools in California? Well, there couldn't be vouchers directly from the state coffers. The state constitution prohibits spending state monies on private or sectarian school. It is a possibility that they could set up some kind of scholarship program with federal funds or with private donations that could be used as tax credits, which is what was kind of what happened in Florida, that would kind of potentially circumvent the state constitution. That would be very interesting to see if that happened and to direct monies to private school and religious schools that way. Well, I guess in coming weeks we'll, we'll know more about which, which option President Trump prefers or what he's going to propose to Congress. Thank you, John. You've been listening to This Week in California Education. I'm Lewis Friedberg with John Fenstewald. Thanks for listening.